This is episode number 210 of the Rising Man podcast with Kale Kaalekahi. Death is not a punishment for being alive. What's up, Rising Man family? Thank you for joining me here today. Jetty Azuma behind the mic again for another episode of the Rising Man podcast. As you can tell, I don't have much of a voice right now. We just wrapped up our spring dojo event, a four-day embodied leadership retreat. It was amazing. It was dope. You guys better watch out when we have the next one because you're not going to want to miss that opportunity. And while I'm at it, let me mention that this is your last chance to register for our June Compass event, four days solo wilderness fast. It's coming up soon. We only have two spots left. So if you still want to apply, last chance now because we're going to start the program soon. Apply at risingman.org slash compass. Okay, my guest for today is Kalek Alekahi. He is a spiritual activist, a cultural innovator, and radical visionary. He is a lineage carrier of indigenous lifeways and traditions, a practitioner of living system designs, the art of human making, and ceremony and ritual. His work is to bring the teachings of the new old way during a time of the ancient future to evoke the emergent culture of awakening up to some big things. In this episode, Kale and I discussed why the mantle of manhood is something that must be earned. We talked about how emotions and feelings are codes for communication and gifts from our ancestors. How expressing emotions creates opportunities for relationship and connection, both with ourselves and others. We discussed the concept of spiritual orphans, people disconnected from the traditions and culture that they, came, that they come from. Khaled declared that as a leader, you are not infallible, you are impermanent, you are a servant to your people. We also shared strategies for reconnecting to indigenous ways and to our ancestry. And last but not least, we discussed how to navigate the ego of leadership and prestige, staying humble and what keeps us grounded in the greater purpose. Without further ado, Kalek Alekahi. Rising man fam, I got another amazing guest joining me here today. I'm going to give it my best shot here, man. Kalek Alekahi from yeah. Maui. Nailed it. Hello. There we go. What's up, bro? How you doing? <laughs> I'm doing great. Thank you so much for uh, having me, Jay. Yeah, we had to hit the record buttons real quick because we started catching fire and I didn't want to miss any <laughs> many brilliant gems that you were about to drop. So so here we go, man. Rolling right into it. Uh, right on. Um, I'm gonna hit you with a with a with a big punch on the first one. What does it mean to be a man? That is a big one. What does it mean to be a man? Um <laughs> I've I've been able to um understand that by way of knowing what it's not as well. So not just like what it is. So for example, like um, I have these tattoos on my arm and um, I got these a, a while ago yet. Um, in the design is what we call like a lehala. So there's a, a plant here um, in Hawaii and in other islands. There's like a pandanus tree and the leaves, you know, they kind of droop. They almost look like a Dr. Seuss tree or something, you know, for it to give people an image. But it's, um, these leaves we, we clean and then we can strip and now we can weave them into mats or sails or hats and adornments, baskets and things like that. So the tree of hala is actually means like um, a withering or to die. Like with something hala, it withers and dies. But in that death, life is created, right? It's like those leaves that, are, that have um, fallen to the ground then create new life. You know, now we make a sail, now we're on our boats and we're traveling. So this, this design is that of the fruit. The fruit on there is funny. It looks like a, uh, kind of looks like a pineapple. So when tourists come, they're like, oh, is that a pineapple tree? I'm like, yeah, it's a pineapple tree. And the pineapple was growing up there. <laughs> it's like, no, pineapples grow in the bushes on the ground, not in trees. So whoever's listening, pineapples don't grow in trees, so don't fall for it. All right, I, already learned something. It, it, I already learned something, right? So the fruit actually has like little keys in it, right? So you pop them out and you cut them and they make little triangles. And you have a whole lay. It's this beautiful lay. It can be orange, yellow, you know, green at times. So the reason why I'm bringing this up is because... It's in the, the death and the life, right? The transfiguration of a person um, throughout different life stages. So, you know, we have childhood and childhood is like early, middle, late, you know, adolescence, early, middle, late, adulthood, early, middle, late. You know, we don't really give much attention to these different stages in life. So for me being a man, it was like, okay, what's the difference between a male and a man? You know, I'm born a male, right? I have to earn being a man. That's something I have to learn. Like there's, there's, there's rites of passages that need to be, um, journeyed through and, and, and felt and seen and experienced 
Um, a male um, tends to be selfish, right? Like a child. A male tends to just only look out for themselves, only, only will fight for themselves, will, will destroy whatever does not you know, suit the desire. But a man protects and provides and sets boundaries and limits upon actions and behaviors like that in order to keep everyone secure. You know, not just create safe spaces, because I don't believe in that. Like, life is a risk, and men have to understand what the risks are, and the, the risks are high, you know, just to be alive. So a man being able to, you know, set, um, like, a, a boundary or a limit, and it's permeable. It's not about exclusivity. It's saying, hey, what's healthy and what's not healthy? You know, what is good for the village is good for me. If it's not good for the village, not good for me. I don't want it, you know, neither do they. So it's like being able to, to, be, to be responsible you know, in, in your actions, how do you yeah, respond? Yeah. yeah. Sorry. It's kind of a long answer, but no, it's actually, very, my, I was going to say, it's yeah. actually a very, very short and truncated answer of <laughs> many, many layers and elements that I also agree with. Yeah. Indicate, indicate a man. There was the element of, of community of selflessness. Yes. Oftentimes yes. I used to ask this question as what's the difference between a boy and a man. And then it, it changed. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. But for me, when I was, when I would answer this question, cause then people wanted to always ask me, I would say that, you know, boyhood is uh, I'm, I'm, I'm facing inward, right? I'm looking at yeah. myself, my self-interest, my growth, what I want, what I desire. Yes. The flip to manhood is when I turn and face outward and I start totally. looking at what's happening around me. How am I, how am I improving my community? You said village and yeah. just improving the people around me. So you mm. captured that, you captured, you know, what is, what does it mean to really earn the mantle of manhood? Mm-hmm. What does that really look like? Mm-hmm. I'm just so on board with that, man. It makes me, it made me curious when you were talking about safety and security, because that's, mm. that's a really, that's a really good angle there, man. That's a good distinction to make because the world is dangerous. I, I like to say that nature is violent. Like if anybody, yeah, yeah, yeah. if anybody's ever watched any nature documentaries or, you, you know, you go deep enough into the woods and the wilderness, nature is oh, yeah. violent, man. Like, like babies get eaten in nature uh-huh. and things get ripped to shreds. And we're so disconnected from that element of our nature within yes. ourselves that anything that even touches that or comes close, we decide is, is not safe. But what do you think is the, the value of us reconnecting and having a relationship with, with violence and just the appreciating that that's part mm-hmm. of nature? Oh yeah. It was beautiful. I feel so much about um, this understanding of, of what, of how nature is. So like in indigenous languages, um, for many of them, they don't have a word for nature, right? Like there is no separation between who we are as human beings and to nature is, is, is we are of this all the time. So there isn't a word for it. So I almost kind of, you know, make the case that because we've created this idea and concept of what nature is, but you put in this idealism of it being like perfect, you know, in all of its ways, yet we're not really understanding nature. Because if we did, we would know how violent nature is. And the violence is not somehow a low vibration or a low frequency or something less than like, you know, nature is not here for us to then transcend her or it, if we say, which is what we're doing as human beings, like in this society, in this cultureless culture. So of course, we're going to demonize and push back on violence because our society uh, that is of a colonizer, imperialist nature continues to outsource our violence and only deems what violence is acceptable if it's an entertainment. You see what I mean? If it's not entertainment, then you shouldn't be doing it. And for me- it crosses a certain boundary or a certain line, right? Exactly, if it crosses a certain line, like only people who should have a gun are the ones that are soldiers in the military, Mm. right? But it doesn't mean those guys know how to dance or sing or laugh or play or do any of that. They're soldiers. That, that's not warriorhood. That's not, that's, it's, it's, a, it's a form of violence of extraction. So if you are a soldier, and I'm not saying anything bad about them, I'm just saying these are the facts. You're given access to be violent because you can take orders and you will do as you're told and you will not question those orders. Right? So this is kind of going back to what a man is. A man has to determine and have good discernment upon what that is. Is this detrimental for our people or is this beneficial for our people? Are we in exaltation or are we in diminishment? And so with violence, it's the same. All of us have emotions and feelings. These are gifts from our ancestors. 
These are codes of communication. This other language is not about one is greater or better than another. And this one is evil. That's where we're getting confused that we somehow have um, this dichotomy of what's good and evil, right? Or righteousness and evilness or good and bad and right and wrong. Like that's what's messing us up. Violence does not care. Nature does not care about any of that. Nature is not concerned with those things. In order for life to continue, death must happen. And the death doesn't always have to be the actual physical death, which is real. I mean, you pick up dirt in your hand. That dirt is everything that once was alive. And now it is dead and it is crumbled into dust. And that dust is what our plants grow in. That's dust, the dirt, the soil, all those things. Are we determining that as not violent? You see what I mean? Yeah, I totally, so, see, I totally see what you mean, man. And, and yeah. So it's our association of this society as to what this violence is, 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 is what's out of balance. It's out of harmony. Yeah. Right. Right. And, and on the flip side of things, like in contrast to soldiers who are given permission mm. and authority and, and police officers who carry weapons, right. And, and have a license to kill under certain parameters and circumstances. Exactly. There's, how how unusual would it be for a man to be seen uh, going outside of his house and, and screaming at the top of his lungs or two men who needed to get out their aggressive energy and started wrestling in the middle of the road, right? Like those are things that if we saw that, it would be more alarming than a man that I don't know walking around in the street with a rifle because he's wearing exactly. a uniform. Exactly. Thank you, brother. You know, so- Thank yeah, you for so, bringing so, that through. So we're on the same page, right? It's, I yes. think we're just kind of looking at this narrative very curiously. Mm -hmm. At what point did we deem that this was the appropriate parameters for violence mm -hmm. to exist in our society? Because mm -hmm. I'm not on board with that. I'm definitely not. I want my son to grow up wrestling his yes. brothers and his and his relatives, like expressing that vital energy. When you said emotions and feelings are codes from our ancestors, I was like, yeah. And yes. what happens when we're not making a relationship with the extreme ends of the spectrum that most of our society is uncomfortable with? Agreed. Anger, grief, sadness exhilaration mm -hmm. right? even just to express yourself wildly ecstatically joyful yes. is unusual you're crazy man you're crazy tone it down right yeah right? so say a little more about just emotions and feelings and yeah the value that that has for men right now oh absolutely i i feel like you know that expression of being alive happens um in dancing and in fighting and like making love right so you know uh dance fight fuck it's like all those things are uh, attach and all those things evoke and invoke emotion. So an evocation is something outwards and invocation is something within, right? So when we have an emotion like anger and we are in a good, um, balanced, you know, um, healthy, uh, state of being, whether it's masculine or feminine. And I'm like angry, I'm like angry. Okay. I gotta, I gotta release this anger. Now there's an invitation for me and my brother to, to do a little dance. Now we can start, we can start fighting or hold mitts or we can start wrestling. It's like, now here's the invitation or even with, with uh, my, my beloved, you know, my relationship. It's like, you know, I have, I'm feeling this anger come up. I want to release it. I want to move. She's like, well, come dance with me. You know, a dance, turn on the music. We just start moving. So there's an invitation for, um, uh, relationship, right. An invitation for communion, right. For people to come together because of those emotions. Um, sometimes people are angry. They need to go out and be in solitude in nature to release, get their bare feet on the ground and let, and let, let the mother take care of them, you know, and there, that, there's that too. So there's an invitation for relationship once again with the outside living world. So let the emotions guide you, right? And let's talk about joy too, joy and dance, joy and fighting, joy and creating meals, um, everything like that. It's like giving us opportunities to be in, in relationship. And that's why we say these words of like all my relations, it's like, because because the, the codes from our ancestors are in our emotions. And the more expression we have of that, the more we fully embrace it, the deeper understanding of what masculinity is can show up or what femininity is can show up because we have more of us participating in life that way rather than being flatlined, right? Just numbed out. Totally, yeah. Man. yeah. And you say, you say relationships. I, I always tell people that I didn't invest in real estate. I didn't invest in businesses. I didn't right. invest in my 401k, but I spent my twenties and my early thirties investing in relationships. And exactly. I think it's the, it's the best return on investment you can make. And here we are <laughs> living in a world where most people don't even know their neighbors anymore. Yes, we, we put up these, you know, boxes and parallel uh, lines of division with fences and stuff around each other, because we, we've created this story that 
my neighbors are not safe. I need to protect my own. I need to literally put up physical boundaries because I can't protect my own boundaries physically, yeah. mentally, emotionally, mm -hmm. with my language. There's when you really stop and look at this for a second, you're like, oh man, this is almost completely backwards. <laughs> I don't know. I so agree. And this is where, you know, what you're speaking to me about as well as like, you know, if a man goes out and, and just starts screaming, you know, how, how, how jarring or shocking it is for us. Or like two guys out in the street, just, just brawling it out. And then all of a sudden it's like, we need to get law enforcement involved. Right. You know, it's like, we don't know how to handle it ourselves because we've become domesticated people. Mm -hmm. You know, we've, we've allowed ourselves to be domesticated. We've lost our, our, like our true sovereignty mm -hmm. because we believed in the marketing campaign, of what, what was being sold to us as the American dream. You know, this idea, this concept that we should all have a home and that we should all, you know, have 401ks and retirement plans, you know, essentially to me, it's just like a domesticated animal. You know, we've lost our wildness. Like we gave it up because we wanted safety. Yeah. Yeah. And safety you know, that comes from someone else. Uncertainty. Safety that stability. someone else can, can provide and package and, and, yeah. and, and sell at the stores. Right. I mean, yeah. that's, that's really what we bought into. And when that's I really think about into. it, I don't. And when I think about my children, right, especially I think about my son, I think about my daughter, what, it, what do I want them to be able to provide for themselves? Yeah. Not because not mm -hmm. I want them to live in isolation, right? It's not like I want no. to recreate the lone wolf story, but the story no. of the village is that everyone had value. Everyone mm -hmm. knew what their, what their position and their role was. Everyone yes. could take care of themselves and therefore they were more capable of taking care of each other. Exactly. That's, that's the way that it was, it was designed like by design, yeah. by biological design. This is, mm -hmm. we as social mammals are meant to operate and function in this way together. But yes. when I, when I'm designed, when I'm built and trained to depend on certain things for my, my yeah. survival, my ability to take care of and protect my family, that yeah. doesn't make me feel like more of a man. No, <laughs> not, not, not at all. Like, like no. kind of the opposite. You know? Yeah. Kind of the opposite, which, which to me would be, I don't know. What is the opposite of that? Like, I feel more like, um, like a coward. I feel useless, helpless. Um, I don't feel like it's, it's even hard for me to think of these names because and I don't live my life like that. You know, I'm not choosing that. Like, when I think about, you know, your children, you know, or, or any of my other brother's children, my nephews and my nieces, I'm like, yeah. You know, I want to give to them what, what, what I didn't have when I was younger, you know, but not in the material, in relationships, like right. in spirit, in culture, mm -hmm. um, in, in love and emotion, um, a, a freedom that they can give themselves by witnessing how I am, you know, like they don't have to be like me or like dad, you know, but they, they know that they are given the permission, you know, they're given the invitation always without it having to be like, Hey, look at this. It's just like, watch us live. And that's, and that's what yeah. it requires. Right. And that's why mm -hmm. it's so important that we, we recognize this, right? Like yes. step ourselves out of this spell that we're under and have the awareness. Yes. Like, oh, okay. That is actually not the version of manhood or masculinity I want to embrace. So what is yeah. right. And then start to look yeah. at these other possibilities. I want to, I want to go into a bit of your background too, because yeah. a, a great part of the conversation that we get to have is I want to hear more about your upbringing. And I know that there's yeah. a lot of guys who are going to listen to this and say, whoa, that, that sounds amazing. I, I wish I grew up a little bit more like Kali. I, know. That I already feel like that myself, but there's many of us who don't grow up around this culture, around, around culture in general, or the culture that we got, we get older and we realize I don't want any of that. Like I want to yeah. just start over fresh. So a little bit about right. yourself and a little bit about yeah, what you have to say about that. Totally. Yeah. So, um, you know, I was growing up on the islands um, and, and, you know, I moved around, you know, um, with my mother too. And I was raised by my grandparents for a time. And so it was on the island of Molokai. So, um, you know, I was immersed in this understanding of being a Hawaiian because I was on homestead land and we're on welfare and all these things. Yet we had each other. I had my cousins. We had a lot of time to play. There was like all kinds of things that I was learning at the time that I didn't really know was the cultural thing until I grew up. You know what I'm saying? So I think what's, so what's, what so it is, as, is so I even as a child, like it was, you were around it, but there wasn't, yes. it wasn't being enforced or. Um, no, it wasn't like that. It wasn't until. I graduated from high school and I started going to Halal, which is cultural school, mm -hmm. where the understanding of dance, chant, music, um, oral traditions, you know, traditional life ways, 
all these things started coming to you know my life and then I, from there i was able to look back on my childhood and be like oh my gosh they were teaching me the culture all this time like the subtleties the nuances the the the, the layers of culture not just the big things like oh here's a here's another hula dance and here you do this chant and this is how you hit the thing it was like what all of that comes from is what i was learning i was given the foundation and the soil from my grandparents on how to be as an indigenous person and then when i went to halal that's when i actually got to expand into the art form of it to create beauty through this through this through the culture in this way where from my upbringing i, I learned how to live in that in, in that village and be nestled in it and so, so did, you, did you decide to go to halal was that yeah i decided that, okay. yeah i decided to because i i had you know went to uh high school in japan so i ended up not having my culture around me and it was very um it was very it was very hard for me um i didn't realize how much living a life um and assimilating um into city life was actually very damaging to my soul uh because i grew up as you know just this kid and you know in the uh in hawaii so it was like learning about who i am at my core um was very uh difficult because i wasn't being taught you know how to be a human i was being taught how to go to university to achieve to be an athlete to be all these things besides myself so i had to go to cultural school to learn again like what like who i am and where i come from and why and that's when the indigenous way just started to come through and that's when the channeling started to come through so yeah some people might hear it and be like oh man or like see me and be like oh it's just he lived in it this his whole life is like i did and i didn't like well, it's not what you I'll think it is. Yeah. i'll be the first one to own it man you know as I mean, people may not know this but we're just really yeah. getting to know each other this is really the first conversation we've had directly. yeah so this i'll be the great. first one to own it man like that was definitely the the story that i created about you i was like oh wow yeah the, the way he's carrying himself i've seen videos of the way you articulate and express yourself in yeah. a very reverent manner i was like all right yeah. well he looks like he's about my age so in yeah. order to have have that level of embodiment of it he must have been doing this since he was a kid he must have grown yeah. up this way he must have come out <laughs> with, with all of the ceremonial accoutrement and everything and <laughs> so, yeah. so it's it's so it's just uh it's number one it's interesting how we how we create these stories about yeah and number two i think for so many of us who didn't grow up connected to anything that really resonated with us i know i'm one of those people who grew up yes. uh, very loosely in a roman catholic background like roman catholic expectations being on the east coast and my yeah, grandfather yeah. was a deacon for sure but my wow. mom and dad like weren't really religious but they kind of put me through the motions and then i right. graduated high school and I was like, well, I, I don't, none of that. I don't want any of that. There's got to be yeah. something else and going on my own search and pursuit of it. And then ultimately connecting with a connection to, to spirit and ceremony that's not yes. directly connected to me by my blood. Right. right, right. And, and mm -hmm. So I know there's a lot of people, especially nowadays where more of these ceremonies and more of these, um, I mean, plant medicines, and yep. there's the, the access is so much greater. Yes, and people. I know there's this conflict for some people where it's they're they're saying, "Well, I d I didn't grow up this way. It's not mm -hmm. technically the way of my people. How do I reconcile mm -hmm. that? Or yeah. I don't even know how to connect to my people and my ways. I don't even know where to go. And if I could read a yeah. book, I could watch a YouTube video. But to yeah. really connect to a deeply rooted sense of ceremony and tradition, how do mm -hmm. I do that? So, totally. so just hearing your thoughts on that, man. Because I'm sure it comes up being the man yeah. Well, this is beautiful questions and, and I love it all. And like, yes, you know, um, recognizing the messenger when they're, when they're before you, right? So me growing up, not knowing exactly what it was I was immersed in because I was a child, then led me to cultural school, which helped me interpret everything. So, um, you know, it's a remembrance. So why I'm saying that is in this society we've created, you know, um, uh orphans you know we we have people of uh, mixed you know bloodlines and, and lineages yet they have no attachment to their ancestral homelands you know they don't know what it is there's no culture other than the uh you know euro-american culture that we're existing in, in western society like all these labels and so of course we won't feel attached to any of these things because they're not involved in the art of human making 
like indigenous cultures are. A cultureless culture is involved in transactional relationships, marketplace talk, how many words we have for paper. You know what I mean? Like, what do we do? Um, what do we do when it comes to death or love or, you know, um, birth? Like those things are hidden from us so much in this society. And we talk about this, you know, on a regular basis, especially within the men's work. So when I think about people, they're like, Hey, um, how do I connect to my ancestors? How do I do these things? How do I do that? I, I, I say, first, first, firstly, um, how is your relationship to your mother and father? You know, cause they like, I want to be connected to my ancestors. I'm like, yeah. How's your relationship to your mother and father? Are they alive? Are they dead? Do you have a good relationship with them? Do you talk to them? Yes. No, maybe. I don't know. Well, okay. How's your relationship to your grandparents? Do you know your grandparents? No. See, so it's like, for me, it's, it's starting with, with that basic things. Like, do you know who your grandparents are? Do you know who your parents are? You don't have to have like the best relationship with them, but do you know them? Do you know who they are? Cause ancestors are the same, you know, these people in our lives, like just even like great to great, great, you know, grandparents, those people are no longer alive. They're now ancestors. You know, were they perfect? No. Were they the most idyllic version of a human that we could have ever wanted? No, they were not. And that's how ancestors are. So we have to get real and raw with, with, with ourselves and our relationships before we start reaching for the stars, before we try to be gurus or medicine people or shamans or whatever that shit is. Like whatever that is, just be a human first. Just be a human first and then watch everything start to come into place. You start calling it in, but if you're looking to grab it all the time and, and get the answer all the time, what makes you any different from, from colonizing? What makes you any different? You know, well, it's just another behavior. Mm -hmm. that, that's the key right there is I understand why, because yeah. I've, I've felt the, the urge from within me to, to attach onto something and to move yeah. very quickly with it. And anybody who is, has been around traditional and indigenous ways, everything's about take your time, slow pace, mm -hmm. listen, you know, slow down to the speed of wisdom so you can actually hear it because mm -hmm. that, like you said, it is a colonial mindset, right? I see something, I want it, I'm going to go get it. It's like that manifest yes. destiny because it is yes. here, therefore it is mine if I claim it. Yeah, just because just because I can doesn't mean I should. Yeah. Right, yeah. Mm -hmm. And and the reality is, is, I love what you said about reconnect, like just mom and dad. This is something that I went through because yeah. when I've, and I've, I presented this with sacred sons before, when I was talking about, we were talking about ancestry yeah. and, and having people think about the, that you come from the fact that you're here is, is a, is a miracle, right? Yes, There's so many people exactly. that could have been here whose bloodlines ended for one reason or another. Yes. Right? You are here because going all the way back to the first humans, mm -hmm. they're kept continued to be a successful passing of your DNA on. So totally. I, I totally understand the pain yeah. that people feel when they're like, I don't know where I come from. I don't mm -hmm. know any of my ancestors' names past the ones that I, that I met or my grandparents, mm -hmm. maybe, maybe my great grandparents. I yeah. ask people, how many, how many, uh, you know, levels of ancestors do you know? It yeah. usually is like no hands up after three or four. Right. And mm -hmm. for me, one of the things that I did, which was very resemblant of what you shared was mm -hmm. starting with my mom and my dad, and then asking, yeah. okay, who were their parents? And yeah. asking my aunties and uncles, like who were their parents? Yeah. Going back as far as I could and finding that I could actually go back about five, almost six generations with yeah. me. And then starting to say those names every morning and giving thanks and saying, thank you for whatever you did in your life that I don't know exactly. about because I'm here. Yeah. Even the things that were back to the violence, right? We're all yeah. products yeah. of violence at some point. Right? At some point, my ancestors beat someone else's ancestors. Mm -hmm. and that meant that I'm here. So mm -hmm. great gratitude for everything and realizing that the whole spectrum of existence involves all, all of these things that half of which we usually don't want to admit or take. Yes, totally. Because, you know, even with all that too, is, is, uh, I see um, people want to have a romanticized view, which is great because I love romance. Mm -hmm. You know, I love romanticism. I love it. But then um, the romantic ideal tends to strip people out of their own humanness, right? So like, like in this society, most culture uh, within the society is birthed from uh, exploited peoples, right? Or peoples that are shunned, like on the fringes of society and, and, and they're put into, um, you know, the back alleys and things like that. That's where a lot of our, you know, American culture comes from. 
whether it's within the hip hop community, indigenous people on, 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 um, on reservations, or it's, you know, the prostitutes in the slums, like, you know, jazz players, you know, back in the cities, it's like those things came through from the muck and the mess and the dirty and the ugly deliciousness of life. That's where cultures emerge from the dark, you know? And so when we get into this, I want, you know, an ancestor angel is like, no, you can't like, I mean, I'm sorry. You can't have that. You can have your angels, but you just can't all of a sudden perceive your ancestor as just being anything other than human. And why would we do that? that? Right. Why would we do that? Right. Like one of the worst things that we do to our children is hoist them up and and create this idea that they must be perfect. So that's going forward. Why would we go back to our ancestors and do that to them? Totally. Anytime that was done to me, it made me really uncomfortable. Anytime Mm -hmm. like the expectations were perfection, otherwise you're not loved is right. Oh, why, why, why would I want to do that to anybody else in my, in my bloodline? But totally, that's a great, perspective you brought in there man is like yeah i've noticed that myself without even thinking about it i'm like oh my ancestors must have been some really wonderful magical people because here i am (laughs) and how 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 subtle the ego is just wrapped up in that we want to imagine that we came from this legacy of rainbows and butterflies but it's just another veil yes it is another veil that's why it was important too like what you said with the ego you know it's like what is it that you're calling in you know what is this thing you know, like, so this has been a, a very interesting, like, kind of little thought game that I've been playing with people too. Um, but it's just kind of like how I see the world. It's like, you know, we use this word of ego, right? Like super ego and the id and like all this stuff. And who's it come from? Freud, right? It's like, what's he? Like? And then we have like the archetypes. And where's that from? Young, Carl Young. So I'm almost like, man, these guys, I don't know anything about them. Yet I speak their words more than I do my own grandparents, you know, with people. I'm like, what do they have to do with my life? You know, all of a sudden their psychotherapy has invaded my consciousness. And now I'm over here babbling around like I actually know what I'm talking about. And other people are like, mm-hmm. And I was like, wait a minute. This is, this is no, this is a, this is a very psycho-spiritual cultural dilemma that we're in. You know, I don't need to give Freud any more credit. I don't need to give Jung any more credit. I need to start giving more credit to the people who have come before me who actually brought me into this world, not just invaded my my uh, my thought space. You, you know what I'm saying? I do know what you're saying. Anything, anything it, come it, up for you with that? Oh, totally. Because it, ultimately that just reflects what our society values. We value convenience. Yeah. We value efficiency. If you can put something into a system and package it, yes. then it's going to be more attainable. And to me, I think that's ultimately just a reflection of laziness. Like yes. we don't have, we, we have, we have all of a sudden decided that it's not valuable to, to be a thinker, right? Oh, I don't have time yeah. to think, just show me the way. Show give me the one, yeah. two, three, four, and then I'll, I'll make <laughs> it happen. Because <laughs> yeah, to sit down and actually think about what you just said, right? Yeah. Well, let me think about those archetypes. Is that actually, so it, it might, when I sit down and I think about, is it useful or not? That's like Bruce Lee is one of my favorite people in the world. Yeah. He said, take it, observe it all, right? Take it yeah. all in, but then you got to decide what's yours and make it your own, you know, reject everything else. And totally. I don't think, I don't think we take enough time to do that. We do. We fall into no. these systems cause it's easy. It's convenient, mm-hmm. but it's lazy and it's Super. not honoring the way that things <clears throat> really are. Like sit down, look at nature. You spend four days sitting out in the wilderness and just being in relationship with everything around you. You learn things about the world and yourself. You don't need to read it in a book. Just go, just go sit, be. Yeah, exactly. So <clears throat> are we learning more? from other men and women or are we learning from the original teacher who gave us the original instructions mm-hmm. the original codes and you know obviously there's there's there can be misalignments right with it with amongst people like if you're like here's a here's a quick story i remember i was, I was first hiking up um haleakala on the mountain um not, not, my, not my first time but, but meeting my friend you know up there for the first time we're going so i show up you know and he's looking at me and he's like oh like, where's, where's your gear? I'm like, what? I got like my backpack, my t-shirt jacket around. And I got like slippers and um, shorts. And he's like, yeah, where's, where's your gear? Do, do you have like, where's your hat and stuff? And I'm like, huh? And I'm looking at him. He's got, he's got two poles. He's got like two, three jackets on jeans, freaking water bottles, all his ears, like, you know, all kinds of stuff. And I'm like, you look like an astronaut. Like I'm, I'm here walking on my mountain. Like I'm good. You know, and so there's, there's, it's, it's like a misalignment in, in the sense of like what he thought nature is to him. 
It was like something to be conquered, something to move through. So you can see these beautiful things, but it's going to be, um, it's going to be, a uh, uh, like, what's it called? It'll take a toll on you, right? Like it takes a toll on you where me, I'm just like, Hey, here I am with the mountain and I'm going to be with my ancestors now. And why, why would I be afraid of what they have to offer to me, which is the sun and the rain and the clouds and, you know, the rugged terrain, whatever it may be. Well, I'm not trying to deny it or conquer it to be with that. Like how you're saying, sit out four days in nature. You'll learn something, you know, you'll learn something. Well, and of course it'll be scary if you've never really exposed yourself to it. Right. I think, I think yeah. of, it makes me think of the image of a child, right? Like if my, if my child yeah. sees a stranger for the first time and maybe yeah. it's a stranger who doesn't have just like a really beautiful angelic face and a warm and sunny yeah. position, they, <laughs> they, they, it kind of gives them pause, right? They're like, I don't it know totally. about you. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. But then, you know, being in a relationship with this person, and if there are, you know, genuinely a good person, then you see the child start to open up. Yes. So the only reason that we feel like nature is something to conquer or something that is dangerous, like all of these shows, right? Like naked and afraid oh, yes, and conquering right. them out. And it's like, oh yeah. man, it's, it's not that. Of course, no. I feel like I need to armor up and gear up if I see the world around me as dangerous. Yes. But it's not, it's like that, it's like that balance, right? Cause it is where we, where we receive life from, but it is also what might kill us. It's oh, yeah. at the same time. Mm -hmm. And there's, there's grace in that. There's dignity in that. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like for most people, they don't see it like that. They see like death as a punishment for being alive. Oh, see, say that one more time. Say that one more time, man. So <laughs> people, yeah, people see death as a punishment for being alive. Oh. Uh, like that, like somehow, Oh, this is what happens because I chose to live and now I'm going to die. And I don't want that. And so there's a, you know, there's a strong sense of death phobia in the society. So that's why things like domestication are happening so much. And that's why our wild places are being destroyed. That's why there's environmental uh, degradation and habitat loss and all these things. And, you know, the sixth great mass extinction is happening, you know, and it comes from that. It comes from this, this, this absurd, like, it's not just a desire. It's like demand for safety. You know, this demand for everything to look a certain way and make it be whatever I say it is. And that's so damaging to all of life when we're not accepting of life and all of its, all of her glory. Like, so what I think about the ego, you know, like maybe we've been casting this spell for so long that it's just run rampant and everyone is, you know, being destroyed by our inability to know what we're speaking about and what we're actually communicating and how we are perceiving our relationships, especially to the natural world. So if there's a part within us, right, that we're trying to nullify because we're afraid of it and we call it shadow work. It's my shadow. I got to get rid of my shadow. I got to get rid of my ego. There's something that needs to be get rid of. And of course, we're going to display that outside externally in the world who has nothing to do with that. You know what I mean? They have nothing to do with our own bullshit that we've created yet. They're the ones taking in, taking the hit because nature has radical indigenous hospitality. She is not concerned about political allegiances. She's not concerned about how much money you got in your bank account. She doesn't care about what skin color you have or even what you did in your past history. She doesn't care, care about your jail record. You still gonna get a coconut. You're still going to get bananas. You're still going to get the medicine that you need. She's not concerned. So for me, I'm like, why? Why have we created so much separation? I'm at this point in my life where like, it just doesn't even make sense anymore. Like we have so much going on, like that tells us otherwise. And we're still choosing. It's like still choosing to cause harm, still choosing to demand safety when you don't even feel safe within yourself and causing even more harm. Like you're, and, and oh, I did it because I have good intentions. Huh? Come on. How many conversations have we had? How many things have we seen on, on the ether weaver? about this and we're just we're just not willing to learn but that's what's happening right now and like my patience yeah. is, is thin with many people because of us you know men like us we're holding that we're holding this ceremony you know we're holding these ways of talking we're holding this for our for our children you know for our beloveds for the for our village the one that we hope to see you know for our kids even if we don't see it we're still doing the work and then there's people who are just willingly active denial willful ignorance just coming at you and, and, and that's where I'm saying that's violent. Your good intentions are violent to me and my people who are trying to live and survive and thrive amongst our community of life and all our relationships. Your good intentions 
or uh, somehow <laughs> manifest destiny all over again. You know? Yeah. Uh, so I went on a little rant. No, you're dropping you're dropping a lot of the really thought provoking things there, man. And I, yeah. I really just want to, without digging into them too much, I really just want to let yeah. a lot of that lie. Let people really <laughs> jump that yeah. up. You know, maybe maybe just back it up like five minutes and just take that in again. And I know that's something oh, that totally. I, I, I will do. Um, yeah, me too. The thing that came up in my mind when you were speaking, one of them was the you know that saying, "Why do bad things happen to good people?" Yeah, and I was just thinking about. You know, because you were saying, you know, nature doesn't care, right? Nature doesn't care. You know, yeah. you get a coconut, you get a banana, you get it, you get COVID, right? If anything, yeah. COVID's taught us anything in the past two years. It's like, hey, that virus don't care who you are, where you come from, how nope. much money is in your bank account. But that idea that oh, bad things happen to good people, it's like no, things just no. happen to people. Things that's happen life. to people. That's, yeah. that's life. Things happen, and then you respond how you will. That's your choice. That's your, yes. that's your, that's your responsibility is to respond how you will. And yes. we've, we've removed so much of our responsibility, the ability yes. to actually be choiceful in how we respond. Mm. We're so reactive and so scared of just existing. Yes. On this planet. It's wild, yes, man. It but, is. And at the same time, I, I humbly say that like, I, I am, I am cracking many, much of this for myself still. I can't, yeah. I, I find myself torn because I grew up in a box in the suburbs. Right? right. I grew up with this idea, these notions of what a good life looks like and providing a good life for your family looks like that yes. I, I don't subscribe to anymore. And it's, mm -hmm. it's more than just one lifetime's worth of work. I believe it's a lot, right. it's a lot to cover in one lifespan to go from, life in the suburbs, go to school, get a job, take care of your family, yes. to being in heart-centered relationship with the land and all things. Mm -hmm. A lot of distance. It's a lot, it's a lot of distance. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think there's also just a little bit of compassion to have with ourselves that my, <laughs> my only mission is to do my very best to, mm -hmm. to move my children far closer to and farther in the direction of what I think they need for it to have yes. a good life. And for my great, great, great grandchildren who I'll never get to meet in the physical. You know, mm. um, yeah, right. These are all good prayers, man. Yeah, yeah. It's, I hear it's, those prayers. And, and last, you know, I, we're kind of coming up towards our time here, man. But I, I wanted yeah. to hear a little bit about just obviously, as as a man who's in a position of leadership, a man who's a yeah. performer, a man who has a lot of prestige. Just by the way you show, I can tell that when when you speak, people listen. That's a powerful. <laughs> yeah. That's not. That's not. It's not like that for everybody. No. Um, but I've known a lot of people who are in those positions and they don't know how to hold it. It, yeah, I don't think it's their intention necessarily to right. take advantage of it, but something about the position that they're in of leadership, of uh, honor, whatever it is, it, somehow it corrupts them or it overcomes them. Yeah. How do you see that? And how do you keep yourself in the most humble place you can? Yeah. And this is, this is such a great question. And so I guess the way I could approach it just a, a little bit more directly is that within these indigenous cultures, there's, uh, there's safeguards, right? Like uh, little locking mechanisms that uh, prevent you from overwhelming um, or taking over uh, a leadership that then becomes um, uh, of, 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 of adverse or misaligned, right? To, to your people. And one of those, what I mean is it's like, um, when everyone around you has a, the sovereign, you know, competency and ability to stand up and give their voice and lend it, and you as a leader, you you can't hear that, then they take you out culturally. Then you're done because it's like, oh, you're not listening. We have we have phrases in Hawaiian for the chief who does not listen, and so if you don't do that, then the people will rise up against you, right? Or they will just get rid of you and have another one. It's something like uh, similar to. Um, like uh, mutual ground, like the commons, right? If if uh, if Kali's coming in, you know, and and this is all supposed to be shared, right? Land, and then I bring my sheep over for a bit, and they get to eat and do this. But then I decide not to leave. They're they're gonna be like, hey, Kali, how come you're still here? Like, oh, you know, I'm just 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 waiting, feeding my sheep a little bit longer. If I do that two, three, four times, um, they're gonna burn my house down, and they're gonna take all my sheep because they're like, you're not respecting the village you're not helping so as a leader that's very important to recognize that you are not you know infallible you are not permanent and you are not in some shape in no way shape or form um uh somebody who who whose position is uh like stuck it's like no like you're a leader and a follower right you're a student and a teacher those things are existing at the same time it's like being a great host is also being a great guest
If you're a great guest, you're a great host. Like in these positions of leadership where people are listening to you, this is what I've done for myself. And it's not just about humbleness. I have a lot of pride and confidence too, but it's like, it's listening to, to my people. I don't, I don't act unless the relationships say so. If I have enough relationships that have my back and I listen to them, and then I must provide for them too. It's a high trust value that is necessary as, as a leader. And if you can't garner that trust, what good is your performance as a leader? It doesn't matter. How much authority you have doesn't matter. How much control and, and, and ability to manipulate? Mm, for what? To what end? Supplying your own self with, with all your needs and desires through other people? That's like, what are we doing? That's the same thing again that we're trying to get away from. So I go to Sweat Lodge. Poor Sweat Lodge. I go to Sweat Lodge and I pray. I humble myself in the womb of the mother. You know, I go other ceremonies. I have Ava ceremony. I do tree planting ceremony. Whatever it may be, the ritual and the ceremony keeps me intact. So I can continue to be a leader. And also I know that my, my place in that, as that role, is not just for me. I'm, I'm, I'm getting ready for the next generation. So one day I'll become a patriarch of some sort, you know, an elder, somebody that, you know, at least has a little bit of value still sitting in his chair, rocking back and forth, drinking his, you know, his lemonade. <laughs> and if I'm fortunate enough to have some younger people come around, it's like, hey, what was it like when you were my age? And they were like, hey, I just want to be able to look them in the eye and say, hey, I did my best. Mm-hmm. You know, before all these things started coming around and all the drones and the machines flying and having this new metal arm, you know, at a time when I was your age, I, I did my best. You know, that's how I see about leadership is like, it's, if people only look at their leadership in this narrow view, and that's all they're going to get. That's all they're going to do. But I'm looking at leadership from what I needed when I was younger, what I could possibly be in the future, and then who I am right now. Am I answering those calls? Am I, am I being responsible, responding to? Dude, yeah. that's, that's such a good indicator, man. I, I, I want to I throw that filter on top of all the people that I, I see mm. in positions of leadership, you know, because... Mm. I, cause I think, cause I think very much the same way myself, you know, when, I, yeah. when it comes to vision, I think of, I am, I literally envision and imagine myself as an old man. And yeah. what do I need to do at this point in my life? The reason why I'm loyal and faithful to my wife, the reason yes. why I sh- continue to show up and do everything I can for my kids and never walk out on them is because I've already imagined the stories that I want to be able to tell yes. as an old man. And that is what helps me get over the ego, the desires, the, 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 yeah. things, the things that tempt me to just take care of and think of myself by thinking about, well, who do I really want to be? Because I don't get to tell those stories in integrity if I haven't actually lived them. And right. I think there's some exactly. people who either don't think about that. They don't think about who do I want to be as an old man, if I'm fortunate enough to get there enough to inform my decisions now, or they have thought about it and they're like, well, I don't really care too much about any of that stuff. I just want mm. what I can get for myself right now. Yeah. Uh, and so that's, that, I really like that, man. And then you said that yeah, thing about, as a leader, you're impermanent. Yeah. That's, that's just solid gold right there. I'm, I'm <laughs> not even going to say anything more about that. I'm just going to let that one rest on everybody's ears. because <laughs> That's gold. Uh, I love you, man. You're such a great brother, man. I'm really glad that we got Thank to connect. You, I could talk to you for days and days on end, I'm sure. Brother, feelings Someday mutual. We will. <laughs> Someday mm-hmm. we will. Um, I want to hit you with some lightning questions before you tell everybody how to follow you and find uh, find out what you're up to. All right. Oh, okay. All right. We're going to play style. a game? Okay. We're going to play a game, man. Let's play. First okay. thing, what is the one thing you wish you learned back when you were 18 years old? Oh, my gosh. Um... Uh, Bitcoin. I don't know. Bitcoin. <laughs> Google. I don't know. All right. What do you think is the most important value to have as a man? Oh man. Oh, man. Like love and generosity. This is what's coming right, right now. I was, I was going to make you pick one, but I'll give you two. I'll give you two. Okay. Uh, all right. And then what is the one thing the world needs more of from men right now? Oh, presence. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, the world really needs us to, to show up, you know, embodiment, you know, let's come back into it. Oh man. Sorry. Love it, man. Good one. <laughs> uh, so tell the good people out there where they can follow you, find out about what you're doing. Oh, I know you yeah. have this new project that you're working on. Tell us all the things. Yes, absolutely. So, um, most of my, uh, engagement with people is through Instagram and it's my name, simple Kale, K-A-L-E dot Kale, K-A-A-L-E, K-A-H-I. And then I also have, um, this project I'm working with 
my brother is called New Blood Old Souls. You can also uh, find us on Instagram. So I also have coursework. I do one-on-one mentoring. Um, if you check out the bio in the Instagram, you can find the link tree and then I'll have my course. I'll be launching soon. I'll be putting one out every you know month. And then I also um, have my one-on-ones that I do as well. So mm-hmm. also a lot of work with Sacred Sons. Hopefully you and I can collaborate, Jetty, on uh, things that you got yeah, going. Man. Thanks for having me. This has been really great. Um, one, one last little thing is uh, a lot of the phrasing and things that I use is not solely my own. Uh, these are things that have come by way of my teachers, my mentors, uh, my family, my traditions, and my ways um, that I don't just claim for myself, but I know um, simply a vessel, you know, simply a vessel for these things, a channel for this ancient future, you know, these, the new old way, the tea now of things. And the language that comes about is, is in hopes that we can continue this emerging culture of awakening. And everybody on 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 their journey is not solo one. That uh, you know, our our navigation is still being done with the stars and the elements and the cardinal directions around us. So as long as we start speaking like that's real, then this 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 vision that we want for our children will come. So that's my prayer. Ah, it's a beautiful prayer, man. The, to be the hollow bone, the hollow bone yeah, for all the, the wisdom, bone. just to make its way to the next to the next chorus. A lot, a lot of mutual love and respect to you, my brother. I look forward to many more conversations with you and collaborations in the future. Thank you for your time, for your prayers, for your wisdom and your work. It's so evident in the way you present yourself, man. So thank you, my brother. Much love. Your ancestors continue to guide us and reveal themselves through us. All right, y'all, you know what to do. Head over to risingman.org to check out this episode and others, links and resources that we mentioned here. It's all there for you, risingman.org. Please subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to us. Please drop that five-star review. If you're listening to us on iTunes, especially on Spotify, Spotify just recently allowed uh, ratings to come in for podcasts. So if you haven't yet and you listen on Spotify, go give us that five-star review. And please subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash the Rising Man Movement. Big shout out to everybody who's been supporting Rising Man all this time, all these years, or maybe just this very first episode. Either way, thank you so much. Until next time, rise up and claim your destiny.